0: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Tuesday, November 22nd edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, as well as, of course, DailyFaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder and current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, how are you doing?
3: I'm good. Grinding up with the Warriors this morning, and it was really cool. Had uh, former NHL goaltender Ed Stanowski on the ice with us. He was in from Canada. He went into the Army after he had a 10-year NHL career, Frank. An amazing guy. Really cool to share the locker room with him today and hear some of those stories.
2: Uh, It's pretty awesome to also get him out there with the Warriors group as well. Up early today as well, grinding on the trade targets list. We'll have plenty of Mm -hmm. trade talk in today's show. And in that same vein, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And what do they do now that defenseman Morgan Riley is out for the long term? The team announcing earlier today, just before our show, that Riley has been placed on LTIR with a knee injury. This is the play that you see it last night. Looks kind of ugly. Don't know what to make exactly in terms of the severity of the injury. I know they were saying after the game last night, Coach Sheldon Keefe saying that he needed some imaging to be done on Riley. But when you see him placed on LTIR this quickly, pretty clear indication um, with that move requiring him to miss at least 10 games or 24 days. That he's going to be out a while and not only that but it's a compounding issue for the toronto maple leafs with jake muzzin likely out for the season and tj brody also out where do the Leafs go from here mike
3: they're going to have to make a move i don't see any way other way around it and frank you had a great piece earlier this week at daily Faceoff outlining some of the players that could be in the mix potentially for the toronto maple Leafs to give them a boost on the blue line i think they needed it before these injuries you know now you look at it and they're missing Riley, they're missing Brody. Those are two of their top minute munchers. And it's especially the offensive aspect of Riley. He's the only D that's been producing for the Leafs this year, 16 assists in his games. Uh, So who's gonna take up that space now if they can't make a trade? Mark Giordano, hey, he's excited to play more. Uh, He said that to our own Matt Larkin in the locker room, Uh, but he only has four points this year. I thought he'd have way more than that at this point. Uh, obviously Toronto's very forward heavy, but Frank, look at that lineup now. You're gonna be relying on Sandine and Lilgren and Hall to do more. And hey, I love Jordy Ben. I have all the time in the world for him, but he was a healthy scratch last half of last year with the Minnesota Wilds. So Frank, in your piece, you outlined some players that could maybe make sense for Toronto. Do you see that they could potentially need to make a move here?
2: Yeah, and this is these are the six guys that I outlined. It's Nick Jensen slash Dmitry Orlov, both from the Washington Capitals, in terms of that piece last week. And as you mentioned, this was when Muzzin went down, this was before the Mm -hmm. Riley injury. And I think you could have made the argument heading into this season that the way this team is structured with their cap, they probably always needed another defenseman. The guy that really stands out for me, I know there's been lots of chatter and talk about the potentiality of Matt Dumba from the Minnesota Wild. But I can't help but really like John Klingberg as an all-round addition to this team. I think he's the most well-rounded defenseman. I think when you take a look at the fact that he's also a pending UFA, that $7 million cap hit, he was signed in Anaheim for this express purpose of being a flippable asset at the deadline. He's someone that I think is better than Riley at running the power play. He's Better than average in his own end. He's a good skater. He has size. Like I don't see any downside in going after a guy like John Klingberg, and they have the opportunity now to potentially jump the market with all of these injuries and have the cap flexibility with Muzzin's injury out for the entire season. That if you just get the Ducks to retain half of Muzz, uh, half of Klingberg, excuse me, that. They're in a really good spot. You know, Giordano can fill in for the meantime. Sandin's going to play a bigger role as well. You mentioned Jordy Ben, but this is not as currently constituted, even with Riley in the lineup. To me, a top six on defense that you know screams Stanley Cup contender.
3: I agree. You know, I really like Nick Jensen before this injury happened to Riley. Now I think that pivot to Klingberg would make a lot of sense because you need even more offensive upside with with uh, with Riley being out of the lineup, Frank.
2: Yeah, and I think when you take a look at this board, as much as the Leafs probably don't want to get a rental, a lot of these guys are rentals and it shows you how Mm -hmm. thin the defense market is. And in that same vein, let's talk about Jacob Chikrin, who made his season debut on Monday night for the Arizona Coyotes. It was his first game since March 12th after undergoing both ankle and wrist surgeries for Chikrin. And Mike, you got eyes on all of Chikrin's shifts last night as he made his season debut. What'd you make of him? And my big question for anyone that might be interested in trading for Chikrin as this saga has dragged on for more than a calendar year, him now wanting out of Arizona is what type of player, how good is Chickering? What what type of player would a team be getting?
3: Well, the first shift last night, Frank, within like 10 seconds, Chicker made a bad pinch and I went, whoa, because the play went right back towards the Arizona net. Well, guess what, though? He gets the puck and ends up skating it to the other end and gets a great chance right off the bat. Now, with Chickren's game, especially in your first time back, you want to see how does this player respond physically? Well, he did. He was active uh, with hits, with moving his feet. Like The physical limitations didn't look there, so the evaluation of his actual play, Frank, you know, I thought he was a little bit scattered with the puck at times, but I thought it progressed as the game went on. He was on the ice for a goal against, but I thought that as it went, Trickoran's offensive side was there. He played a lot on the power play, uh, but I still didn't see the directness that he had previously uh, before the injury, even a year and a half ago before his production trailed off, because last year was tough for him. Uh, When you look at it, but previous to that, Frank, this was a guy who I think was in the mix for the Canadian Olympic team if we would have had the Olympics. So I don't know if the jury's out on what you're going to get. The pieces are still there. I still see the active mobile Jacob Trickoran that we've seen before but I need to see more from the offensive side to see if he gets back as mojo.
2: Yeah. He was an 18 goal scorer a couple of years back. And I think mm-hmm. that mojo was one of the big things that was missing 18 goals, by the way, in a shortened season. If you look back to 2020, yeah. 21, pretty incredible numbers and teams have been salivating over that cap hit. But Mike, as someone that watched him pretty closely while you were working with the Vegas golden Knights, what is Jacob chicken? Is he a one? Is he a two? Is he a three? What, what, defenseman position would he slot at for you on your depth chart?
3: Two seasons ago, Jacob Chikrin was a number one for Arizona. And that's always kind of the asterisk here is that team was really bad. He was eating up a lot of minutes on a club that wasn't that competitive. And he had to outwork not many people to have that spot. So, Frank, if you're looking at Chikrin for other clubs, maybe stronger teams, I think he could slot into a two, three or four role. So I don't know what the price point going to be. He does have a nice salary. <laughs> Uh, cap hit for a team potentially. I don't think he's going to be a number one for a team. I think he still could be a number two. He's definitely a number three.
2: Jacob Chikorin is number four on our trade targets board. And that first top 20 of the season was released earlier today on Daily Faceoff. We'll get to that in just a bit with Icebreakers. But we got to talk about Patrice Bergeron and the night that he had for the Boston Bruins who just continue to roll along. He hits 1,000 points on the dot with the bees. And, Mike, it was a really cool scene in Boston as you take a look at Patrice Bergeron, who just – the players flooded off the bench. You can tell how much they respect their captain. Uh, obviously, one of the most well-respected players in the league. But to hit not just 1,000 points, it's nice to be the 93rd player in the league to get to that milestone, but also to do it all in a Bruins uniform, I'd have to think means a lot.
3: It means everything. His, ga- his comments after the game said it all that what really – struck him was how all his teammates were on the ice celebrating and immediately after this goes in let's watch brad marshat he's pointing frantically at bergeron because he knows it's his one thousandth point this countdown had been on for a while in that bruins locker room frank and when you think about the context of this in terms of the of the nhl in terms of the bruins who've been around for a hundred years there's only four bruins that have a thousand points in that sweater we're talking ray bork johnny busick and phil esposito and then in terms of the nhl Only 25 players in NHL history have ever gotten to 1000 points with one team. Unbelievable. Uh, But like you said, it really, it it was the fact that it was with his teammates on the ice together, how they all swarmed him. Um, I mean, from a personal level, Frank, I'm happy he came back to play this year to see this happen. And now he's part of something pretty special with that team in Boston, because they are rolling.
2: Yeah, they certainly have some incredible vibes around them. The sort of last dance type of vibes, not just with Bergeron, mm-hmm. but also Krejci coming back. And some of these guys that have had some incredible starts to their season given the injuries that they had. McAvoy's back. Marchand is healthy. They're a scary team, and it doesn't look like that's changing yeah. anytime soon. So I also wonder, maybe this isn't maybe necessarily the last dance for Patrice Bergeron. I wonder if you know, you have a season like this again, last year might've arguably been the best season that he had in his career. Does he keep going? What we can't tell is
3: how his body feels, Frank. Only Patrice Bergeron knows that, but he did say after the game, how much it mattered that the conversations he had with David Krejci this summer drew him to coming back and play again this year, that those two guys really were something of a package deal, it seems. So I'd say if Krejci wants to, if Bergeron wants to, We may see some more magic moments. Just This was really cool, Frank. It reminded me when I was in Florida and Yara Miriaga passed Mark Messier for second all-time in points. Everybody went on the ice. It was one of those moments where, especially for people that were there in the building, it's something they'll never forget, Frank. Players, fans alike, pretty cool in Boston.
2: Yeah, the Boston Bruins, a staggering 17-0 to start this season, running away with the Atlantic Division. And let's talk about another milestone that certainly garnered a lot less attention on Monday, but may have even been a bit more impressive when you think about it in terms of the overall scheme. And that's Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche becoming the fastest defenseman in NHL history to hit 200 career points. 195 games, 200 career points. And then you take a look at the list of the guys that he passed in order to get to that point. It's all of the best players of all time. It's Brian Leach, Phil Housley, Denny Potvan, Mark Howe, Bobby Orr, Phil Coffey, Ray Bork. All those guys needed well north of 200 games. Paul Coffey needed 221. Ray Bork, 226. Bobby Orr, 216. Kale McCarr comes in at 195 in one of the way tougher eras to score, with all due respect to all of those defensemen who had unbelievable Hall of Fame careers, kel McCarr, what he's doing is ridiculous.
3: It's astounding. I mean, he didn't just beat all those great players you mentioned. He completely outran them. I mean, Zubov did it in 207 games. He was the fastest. And now you got McCarr at 195. And I took a look at this and I started to think, well, let's look at career totals. Let's look at what it would take for McCarr to be the all-time highest scoring defenseman. He'd have to eclipse Ray Bork, who currently sits at 1,579 points, which is an astounding number for a defenseman. I think McCarr would have to play 20 years at 80 80 points a year to come close to Ray Bork. Can he do that, man? I don't know. Um, that's what it would take to get him there. But even if McCarr only plays only, only plays 15 years and puts up similar numbers, he's gonna be knocking top five all time for defensive scoring. And Frank, that team in Colorado is not slowing down anytime soon. So he's a big piece of it, obviously. There's times where he's the best player on the ice. And what amazes me is just his foot speed and how he can get it done offensively, yet still be so effective on the defensive side. Frank, if I were building a team in the NHL, Cam McCarr might be my first pick.
2: I think that'd be a great first pick. I mean, Connor McDavid might have something to say about that, but Kale McCarr would be a very close second. Um, mm-hmm. I think what scares me the most about watching McCarr play is how effortless it looks.
3: So easy. He just moves the feet up and down the ice, throw the puck at the net. Like He's, he's so massively skilled, yet he makes it look simple. And that's really frustrating to anybody who tries to play this sport and can't mimic any of it, because that's me on Friday mornings in beer league, Frank. <laughs>
2: So is it the foot speed or the speed with which his brain processes? I can't figure it out which one is more impressive than the other. The fact that he can do both at the same time like McDavid can is insane. Mm-hmm.
3: That's what makes him truly elite. It's the same way with goalies. When their footwork can match their brain, when they're tracking the puck, reading the play, all the elite players, Frank, to me, they're all really intelligent. There's not many dummies in the NHL.
2: Very impressive nights for both Patrice Pergeron and Kel McCart. Let's get to this week's icebreakers.
1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot
0: maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Well, it's time for this week's edition of Icebreakers, delivered by DoorDash. It's your time to shine. Frank, you've been digging deep, finding all the scoops around the NHL. and You've launched your first trade targets board of the young season with 20 names in play and some that soon will be. So let's start at the top. Bo Horvat, he's your number one on the list, but he's also followed closely by Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves of the Chicago Blackhawks. What's the latest on these three?
2: Well, I think the calendar is what's really important when it comes to talking about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. We know that the trade deadline isn't until March 3rd, but as the calendar begins to flip to December, uh, that's when conversations are really expected to begin in earnest between the Blackhawks and the Kane and Taves camp, which is interesting enough in that they're both represented by the same agent in CAA Sports, Pat Brisson. They both have identical contracts at $10.5 million and have all of the same clauses in which Kane and Taves hold the key. Now, it's interesting because we know that Kane has been a sought-after or would be a sought-after commodity that's been one of the biggest storylines of the season. But the year that Taves has had to this point, he's sort of turned back the clock. He looks a lot more like the player that we knew and loved from all the success that he had with the Blackhawks. Obviously, he's not quite up to that level at this age of 34, but still a welcomed and big addition for a team, Uh, and that would be welcome news for the Blackhawks, who weren't really sure what to expect from Taves, who had a down year last year, and the season before that, of course, he missed in its entirety. So those guys hold all of the keys, and I think when you look at in terms of how this might play out, we're saying, well, what's the playbook here, Mike? The playbook is the Claude Giroux deal with the Philadelphia Flyers last year. Obviously, their captain plays a 1,000 games in a Flyers uniform and is traded shortly thereafter. These guys have already accomplished and won everything that you possibly can. It's going to be completely up to them as to how it works and where they go. But the same agent also represented Giroux. And I think it's an important deal to point out because both in terms of package and how it was managed up to that point. It's probably going to feel very similar for the Chicago Blackhawks this time around, plus or minus depending on how you feel about Kane and Taves in relation to Drew in terms of what type of package comes back. But first round pick, a former first round pick and Owen Tippett, those types of players and pieces will be involved in this type of transaction, I would imagine, whenever it happens uh if it happens before the March 3rd trade Mm. deadline
3: and of course those players in Chicago hold all the cards with the no movement clauses let's go down to FLA home of the Palm Isle Anthony Duclair checks in he's number seven on your list down with the Florida Panthers is he just a placeholder? what does that mean for Florida
2: yeah so we take a look here at the next five guys on our trade targets list and Duclair, you see, has an asterisk next to his name, and those are also his 2021-22 stats because Anthony Duclair sustained an Achilles injury on July 2nd and has missed the entirety of the season to this point. Why is this significant and why is his name on the board? Because the Florida Panthers have been flying incredibly close to the sun with a salary cap this season they are dressing the league minimum they're carrying the league minimum of players you saw last week with aaron ekblad when he was sick they didn't get a replacement they played one player short and so they don't have anyone to send down and that means if they'd like to activate duclair who i'm told is closing in on a return he's already skating looking like sometime around christmas at the earliest he's got a three million dollar cap hit in order to activate him they have no space they absolutely must make a trade One option, maybe one of the easiest options, would be to take Duclair and unload him somewhere for free, have someone take him off your hands. You might even have to pay, given the scenario that the Florida Panthers are in, to have someone bail you out in order to make that happen. But the reason Duclair has the asterisk and I call him a placeholder is, I believe at this point he's just as likely as some of the other players on the Florida Panthers roster that could be moved. It could be any one of them. But the point is to point out the Florida Panthers will have to make a move, barring another injury, will have to make a trade. And I think if it's not going to be DeClaire, I think they might be able to find some value elsewhere, whether it's Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett, they have some different options, but it's going to need to be someone that makes $3 million or more on their cap. And an important transaction to point out as some teams around the league begin to look around at some vulnerable positions, the Florida Panthers certainly are in one.
3: One player around the league that doesn't make $3 million, he makes 1.75, is the player that you have at number 18 on your list, Ryan Reeves of the Rangers. Now, I find this interesting. He's got over 100 NHL games worth of playoff experience. Why is he on your list?
2: Well, he's on the list because he's been a healthy scratch for Gerard Gallant and the New York Rangers. Four out of the last five games, that's certainly grabbed the attention of some teams around the league that are looking for a bit of size, a bit of bite. Also, Reeves is an extremely well-liked guy in just about every locker room that he's been in. That $1.75 million cap hit, as much as the Rangers like the idea of having him uh, in their lineup at varying points, and clearly someone like Gallant is, is... he believes in what Reeves brings to the team. In this case, uh, I think the Rangers would just also be equally excited to potentially move on from that type of cap hit where they have $1.75 million in space moving forward for someone who's been on the outside looking in. I think this is one of those trades, given how tight everyone is to the cap, where it might just be for future considerations or something like that. But I think the Rangers are open to the idea and I think there's a number of teams out there that have been, you know, sort of looking at it saying, hmm, Ryan Reeves might be an interesting guy, uh, given where they're at with their teams and lacking some of the elements that he provides.
3: Hard to believe Ryan Reeves could potentially go for a used puck bag. Frank, great job. You can read all 20 names on the trade targets board. Head out over to dailyfaceoff.com. And that's going to be it for this week's edition of Icebreakers delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes. are right below us here. See them at the bottom of the screen? Game day 25. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash.
2: Great job, Mike. It's time for our daily Face Off inbox question of the day. hashtag Ask DFO. And we had this question submitted. When you take a look, Mike, at some of the young goalies that are filling some space in lineups, any of them Pyotr, Kurchetkov, Schmid, or Soderblom—do any of those guys have a chance to stick around permanently in the NHL? Which one of these guys could displace someone in a lineup somewhere?
3: You know, I think Soderblom's going to be back in the A uh, as soon as health comes for the Chicago Blackhawks. Probably the same way with Schmid, Schmid in New Jersey. But Piotr Kuchekov, Frank, I think actually has a chance to earn a spot with the Carolina Hurricanes. This dude just keeps winning, man. Like he's 5-0-2 in the NHL over the span of two years. Last year in the American League, his first year pro in North America, he was 15-3-2 and helped his team win a Calder Cup at that level. I don't know, man, between Antti Ranta and Freddie Anderson, who seem to be hurt way too often. I think if Kachekov can stay healthy and keep playing well, he may earn a spot in Carolina for the rest of the year.
2: All he does is win, man. That's the thing. If you have someone that has also gotten a little taste of playoffs, you know can play a little bit in your pressure cooker, I think Rod Brindamore and the Carolina Hurricanes feel pretty good about having someone like him in their system. Also, just in case something happens and They've had a tough time keeping someone like Freddie Anderson upright, for instance. So plenty of opportunity for Kochetkov as well. Let's get to Tyler Remchuk with our daily face-off points bet daily bet segment. Tyler, how'd you do last night?
4: missed on the Owen Tippett shop prop by one missed on the Besser shot prop but nailed the Vegas Golden Knights in regulation at plus 105 so a little plus money bet made it not too bad of an evening and tonight only two games in the NHL so let's jump into it courtesy of our friends at points bet Canada starting with that matchup at the bottom actually between the Buffalo Sabres and the Montreal Canadians I love going with the over here and there are a bunch of numbers that support this Jake Allen has allowed four goals against in three straight games 20 goals against in his last five starts craig anderson 12 goals against in his last three starts or his only three starts in the month of november the sabers have seen the over hit in three of five and seven of ten the habs have seen the over hit in four of their last five six of their last ten each of these two teams averaging over six and a half total goals on the year I love the over. I think it's a great spot, minus 115, over 6.5. And, and for my second play, I'm going with a player shot prop. Trevor Moore has been firing the puck at an amazing clip so far this season. He's hit this over 2.5 in three straight games, and he's actually had four shots in each of those games. He's hit this mark in 14 of his 20 games so far this season, and he's actually never been held the lower than two shots in a game. So, All that to say, I think over two and a half at minus 130 is a great price as well. So take the more shot prop and take the over in Buffalo and Montreal, Frank.
2: There he is. Tyler Ramchuk, the shot prop king. Love to see it. Mm. Thank you to Tyler for our Points Bet Daily Bet segment. That brings us to garbage time. And Mike, I usually cede the floor to you, but... I wanted to just give a little shout out to my son, Christian. Not a big cheerleader here Uh, as a hockey coach and probably even a little bit harder on my son than any other kid. But just a real emotional night for me as well, watching this. He played and his team during the uh, first intermission of the Flyers-Flames game. You see him pick up the puck there and score. Uh, And then a little selly as well. My guy is a really shy kid, Uh, not to go into too much detail, but he's actually had a bit of a tough time at varying points. Some developmental delays, was really late speaking, and is also really shy. And so for me and my wife to see him break through, play hockey, find something that he really likes, definitely not the best player on our team. Um, But to see the emotion out of him, um, it actually got me a little emotional as well. I've watched this probably a hundred times since then. The crowd roared and just couldn't be happier as a dad to see him kind of take off. And so don't care what happens in terms of hockey, never any pressure to play. Uh, Just wanted him to find something that he enjoys and glad to see that emotion spill out. So cool, Frank. I had that a
3: couple of years ago. My daughter scored a game winner in a shootout, and she didn't even know what to do when she scored. She didn't know how to celebrate. So uh, your little guy's got a one-up on my daughter because he looked like a pro when he was giving it that fist pump. You must have been celebrating. and Maybe you're practicing those in the basement with him. I don't know. That was slick. So congratulations. That's an awesome moment
2: yeah not he's like not even a known celebrity doesn't even know what to do the fact that he did that and pulled off the ovechkin (laughs) like i I, i'm telling you i almost fell over the fact that he scored even to begin with and so like i said don't care where his hockey career goes if anywhere doesn't matter if he plays or not never any pressure here just one of those moments i remember playing on that ice as a mite as well uh remember my teammates from might um and i think it's one of those things you always carry with you so really cool moment for me and my family and Glad to give him a little shout out.
3: Yep. I you know what? I still coach with some of the people I played mites with, Frank. As long as you don't teach him how to do the Ovechkin Hot Stick celebration, I still have I'm I'm still burning from that. So yeah, that's my only
2: request. We have a little humility here, so I don't think that'll be a problem. <laughs> That'll do it for today's edition of Daily Face-Off Live. You know where to find us, 12 noon Eastern. We'll be back on Wednesday, a pre-Thanksgiving edition. Wednesday, uh, also one of the uh, drunkest days of the year here in the United States. So looking forward to that as well. Uh, until then, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. Mike, have yourself a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you on the other side. And until then, have a great day, everyone.